We had a wedding here yesterday, a wonderful affair, and I kept thinking about that passage from Proverbs, and maybe we should just talk about there at the wedding and this morning as well about a capable wife who can find. And uh, Kristen said no. Didn't actually do that. But looking instead at our gospel reading for today, I think Jesus' disciples must have been pretty darn disillusioned and disheartened. By the end of today's gospel, Jesus had just told them for the second time that he was going to be killed. And this was not long after they had tried to cast the demon out of a boy and they had failed to do so. And they asked, why could we not cast out the demon? And Jesus replied that the demon could only come out through prayer. Perhaps the disciples had been relying on their own strength rather than relying on God. So we've got this question of power brewing within the disciples already. And when Jesus told them he was going to die and on the third day rise again, they did seem to understand that he would die. Maybe they didn't get the whole rising again part yet, but they seemed to understand that he was going to die because it seems like they were working on a succession plan. In light of what he was talking about, and they were arguing about who was greatest among them, it seems like they were probably trying to figure out who was going to take over once Jesus died. Who would be the new Messiah? Now, they didn't think of Messiah in terms of being the co-eternal Son of God, who spoke the world into existence. They were thinking in time as Messiah in terms of the military ruler who would kick Rome out and conquer everyone else. And to this, Jesus replied that they needed to be last of all and servants of all. Welcome a child in my name and you welcome me. Welcome a child in my name and you welcome God, Jesus told them. That probably didn't make a whole lot of sense to them. We see children as wonderful and innocent, the apple of God's eye, delightful for us. We see Jesus dwelling within all of us, and so if you welcome a child, you welcome God, that makes some sense to us. We get that. But I don't think the disciples understood God is powerful and mighty, they were thinking, and children are not. How can welcoming a child be like welcoming God? Now again, they were looking for Jesus to be a Messiah through military victory. They were wondering among them who was mighty enough to carry his mantle. Children aren't going to win battles or rule over kingdoms, and so we have the disciples' disillusionment. Rather than glorious victory, Jesus is telling them that the way of discipleship is the way of the cross or the way of Jesus' crucifixion. And welcoming the least important in their society was to welcome God. Was God even mighty anymore? In thinking about Jesus' words about the cross and his teaching about welcoming children, being like welcoming God, instead he marched towards Jerusalem in crucifixion. I thought of the lyric from Leonard Cohen's song, Alleluia, Love is not a victory march. It's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah. If only following Jesus meant victory over every battle and struggle we have along the way. But it doesn't. We fail and we fall short and we know defeat. 
know the cold and broken hallelujah that comes in those moments of failure and falling short and defeat. As Jesus' disciples, we don't always choose or even seek victory. We seek to serve and to heal. We seek to restore the brokenness of the world. And we seek to love. But love is not a victory march. Love, Jesus, as Jesus teaches, comes from being like children. If you want to be great, Jesus said, then be least of all. Children were least of all. And yet he taught that welcoming a child was like welcoming God. Well, children love unreservedly. They will abandon what they're doing, even in the midst of a big group activity. And they see someone they love, and they'll abandon what they're doing to run over to that person that they love, shouting with delight. Children trust. (coughs) When children love and trust their parents, it takes an awful lot for them to lose that trust in their parents. Far less than it takes for adults to lose trust in other people. And children also forgive. They'll be terribly upset with a kid one moment and then joyfully playing with that same kid moments later. You really want to be great and mighty, Jesus was telling his disciples? Then forget about being great and mighty. Forget about power. Greatness in God's kingdom comes from loving deeply and unreservedly. Risk opening your hearts to others, opening your heart to love, even though love is not a victory march, even though love is risky. To love another person means you might not be loved back. means letting ourselves be naked and vulnerable to another person. Letting our hearts and our souls, leaving them bare for someone else knowing full well we might get hurt. That's the risk of relationship. We know how to hurt those we love more than anyone else. We know just what to say to our spouses to tear them down. We know things that our children fear, things that will break their hearts. And every day we make a choice to go out into the world, either letting our heart be vulnerable or hiding our heart away. Hiding is safe or easy. But not, it's also not taking that risk to be loved back. Not risking to love. Not risking to let someone else cherish us is a life that lacks death. The death of love that God intends for us. So risk love in this world, Jesus said, and live God's kingdom. And if you really want to be great and mighty in God's kingdom, Jesus says, then trust in God. Now you may have felt let down before when things did not turn out the way you wanted them to. You may have felt the sting of a cold and broken hallelujah, but continue to trust in God, Jesus says. Now trusting God doesn't mean that we trust Him to make the outcomes happen the way we want them to. That's not trusting in God. That's directing God. Something that we've all probably done from time to time. Trusting in God means we don't necessarily know the outcome, and we choose to put our trust and our faith in God anyway, realizing we are little children. He is God. 
Finally, if you really want to be great and mighty in God's kingdom, Jesus says, then forgive over and over again. Forgive people and forgive yourself. Offering forgiveness is like giving water to people who are dying of thirst. Our brokenness kills every bit as much and as surely as lack of water would. So forgive over and over. We have this prayer in our marriage ceremony that I got to pray last night for the couple who gets married, but this prayer can apply to anyone, for any relationship, and every relationship. Make our lives together a sign of Christ's love to this sinful and broken world, that unity may overcome estrangement, forgiveness heal guilt, and joy conquer despair. Risk love, Jesus told his disciples. Risk trust. Risk forgiveness. Risk facing the cross. Life as his disciples may not be a victory march. Risking love may not be a victory march. It may be a cold and a broken hallelujah. But it is a hallelujah, nonetheless. Amen.